be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. It's a great joy to be here today, and um, I'm, I want to first of all bring greetings from Bishop Thorford Baptist Church. Um, and uh, it's uh, uh, different, you know, we're all kind of churches, every Baptist church you go to is a little bit different from every other. Uh, but there are things that unite us. And what unites us, obviously, is our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that sense that, uh, as you've been thinking about, I believe, in recent weeks, that we're here to bring God's kingdom. That we are part of God's kingdom. And that he is bringing his kingdom through us. Uh, There is an old joke. uh, What do Christians and Satan have in common? Anyone know the answer to this? The answer is they both hate evangelism. (laughs) Most of us as Christians are quite scared about sharing our faith. And certainly Satan certainly doesn't like it when we do. And so for many years I have got the sense that the right way to do this was to find the right technique. Uh, just to, to read the right book, uh, to find the right resources, to uh, have the, the right method to, to share your faith. And uh, if I could do that, then I'd have evangelism cracked. Um, but actually, that's not the truth at all. In fact, uh, many, many years ago, I, it was a Friday evening, and my wife was, was at work, and uh, I was uh, you know, doing nothing in particular, and two people knocked on my door. And they said, uh, do you believe that there should be more activities in this area for the family? And as soon as they said that, I said to myself, you are Mormons because this is one of their opening lines that they do when they knock on your door. So I said, come in. I've got nothing else to do, and if nothing else happens, I'll stop you talking to anyone else this evening. And, uh, <laughs> and they went through this very careful presentation. It was brilliantly worked out. It wasn't true, but it was brilliantly worked out. And I let them go through the presentation, and when they got to the end of the presentation, I started to say, but... And as I asked them a few questions about it, the smile on their face continued. But the things they got out to show me in this talk that they were doing, in this presentation, gradually went back in the case. And then they went to work. Because having a slick presentation is no, no uh, substitute for actually knowing what the truth is. Uh, it's a good idea to have thought about how we tell our friends about Jesus. It's a brilliant idea to think about how you've got it communicate to your friends, your family, and your neighbours. It's an especially good idea to actually know what the gospel message is, what it is that we're telling people. But 
there is hope for them um, through Jesus Christ. Uh, it's a good thing to have some great illustrations that, that, that do that. I use a thing called the Bridge to Life. Anyone heard of that? Great illustration talking about how we, you know, we can't get to God, so God has come to us. Really, really helpful illustration to have. And it's a good idea to be praying and to have some sort of strategy for what you're doing in talking about Jesus. But the thing is, Jesus did all of these things, but they weren't really the heart of his message. The heart of his message was something else. In the Bible, what we see is that Jesus explains to people who the Father is, explains to them what the Father is like, he teaches the crowds, he talks about the consequences of obeying and the consequences of disobeying God, he talks about the way they ought to live their lives, he uses lots of clever illustrations. He uses personal knowledge of the people that he's speaking to. He uses all of these things. But most of all, what he does is he shows them the Father. He shows them God. He shows them who God is. His life is the message. His life backs up everything he says. And it's his life through which the power of the Holy Spirit is demonstrated to people. So I've come to believe that the most important thing in talking to people about Jesus is not so much what we say, but who we are. That's the heart of things. Now, I realise that I'm getting terribly, terribly old. Now, please don't disagree. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, I find that the world we live in is, is a lot weirder than it used to be. Last week, I did, a, I did a wedding. And I had to start the wedding by giving a notice which said, please can you refrain from posting photographs of this wedding on social media until the bride and groom have had a chance to. Now, I, I found that the most 21st century notice I've ever had to give. Uh, truly, truly weird from my point of view. Because if people are interested in the wedding, they're going to be in the room with you. So who are you posting this message for? Maybe there are one or two people who couldn't make it, fair enough. But, but why is it that things aren't kind of valid unless somehow we can post them on Instagram? Um, and uh, I, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking that actually this is quite an interesting uh, illustration of, of how Jesus wants us to live our lives. Uh, I'm especially nodding occasionally to, to, to Rich, I'm going to nod now. Now I don't know if you can see this uh, very well, but this is a, a picture taken, this is a selfie taken by two Australian girls from the Australian hockey team uh, in, uh, at the last Commonwealth Games. And there they are, happily taking a selfie of themselves. Now, if you can just see in the background, there's a little face poking through the netting. That's the Queen photobombing their selfie. Um, so when they got home and looked at it, they suddenly discovered the shuttle that when I looked at it next time. They suddenly discovered the Queen was in the background. And it seems to me that's kind of a picture of the way that lots of us live our lives. But then actually if there's a selfie of us, you know, there we are, and Jesus is kind of in the background rather. And it seems to me that what God wants is, uh, I, I'm not really you know, very good at these things, but, but if we're going to have a selfie, then it's you and Jesus, me and Jesus, next to one another. That's actually the picture that God wants us to have. If we're going to hold up a selfie for the world to see, that's what it's going to be. Because actually Jesus is going to speak through you, not through the cleverness of your words, not through the cleverness of, of what you've learned, not through any technique, but who you are. Now that's what um, I really wanted to bring to you today from Matthew chapter 5. Because when, uh, when Jesus speaks to this crowd, 
on this mountainside above the, the Sea of Galilee. <clears throat> he starts off with this rather fantastic and wonderful poetic kind of words. But really what he's talking about here is God's heart. It only works to me nodding at Richard, Richard's watching. You can start. Uh, he's talking about God's presence and he's talking about God's power. So let's think about God's heart to start with. Or not. Anyway, uh, this might work or it might not. Uh, but we're going to think about God's heart because actually the, these, the things that we call the Beatitudes, these great poetic, wonderful sayings, they're lovely sayings. They ring off the tongue, you know, they sound fantastic. But the truth is that they tell us about God's heart and what God wants for us in our lives. We're revealing the heart of God to the world. We're revealing the heart of God to the people around us. Our world is just wherever we happen to be. And uh, we often think of the power and majesty of these words without actually stopping and thinking what they're all about. But what these speak to is the heart that God has for us and the heart that God wants us to have towards him. Blessing of the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It means that we have a recognition that we need God. To be poor in spirit is simply this, that we say, you know what, I know that I have a problem that I can't fix. I know that I have a problem that only God can fix. My problem, as you pick on something that Phil said just now, my problem is that too often we think we're God. We think we can take God's place. That's the basic story of the Garden of Eden. The serpent said to Adam and Eve, you don't need to worry about all this. You're perfectly capable of making your own decisions. And the fact is, we are capable of making our own decisions. We're just not capable of making good ones. We make bad decisions all the time. So to come before God and say, you know what, Lord, I am poor in my spiritual judgments. I am poor. I am not able to do the things that you do. There's a problem and I can't fix it. And the only way that, that this can be fixed is through you, Lord Jesus. That's why we, we just sung that song about uh, Jesus taking our sins at Calvary. Because everything that is wrong in our lives, all the times when we rebel against God, everything that we do for our own gain, for our own need, for our own uh, advancement, all of these things... We have to bring them to God and say, you know, I have failed you. And uh, the good news, of course, for us is that this is what Jesus came for. He came to take our sins and our failings on the cross. And on the cross, he gives us a way that we can be forgiven. Because he exchanges uh, our sins for his righteousness. He uh, comes to us and offers us a new hope and a new chance. But we can't do that unless we come to him and admit that we've got a problem. The second thing here is about uh, taking responsibility for the reality of our life. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is not just Jesus generally talking about people that are sad, because we know that that's not actually true, is it? There are many people in the world today who mourn and are not comforted. Jesus is talking about something else. He's talking about us having a desire to be accountable for our lives. To recognise the times when we get things wrong. It is very, very easy for us to gloss over the things that are wrong in our lives. One of the, the great illustrations in life today, obviously, is um, 
the X Factor. Uh, I'm sure you look at it and, and think there are many spiritual lessons I can learn from Simon Cowell. Um, possibly not. Um, but the reality is that you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says the human heart is deceitful above all things. Watch the, the, uh, the, uh, the beginnings of the X Factor. Uh, and you can see that that's true because people come on believing that they are going to be the next great thing, that they're going to be the next Justin Bieber, as if we needed another one. Uh, and, uh, and then they start to sing and they sound like, you know, a cat having a really bad day. Uh, and, uh, but they think they're fantastic because we are capable of deceiving ourselves and it happens all the time. And if we're not careful, we, you know, when we come to Jesus, we can then deceive ourselves. That's okay, everything's all right now. I've, I've got things sorted. But actually, I believe what God wants us to do is to come to Him day by day and say, Lord, here is my life in the last 24 hours. Here's my life in the next 24 hours. This is what I've got wrong. This is what I've got to do. I want to get right the things that I've got wrong. I want to ask your forgiveness for those. I want to look ahead and I want to walk with you. It's about accountability. Sometimes you need other people to help you do that. You know, it's hard to walk alone. Um, it, it is hard to do things without other people supporting you. And so quite often, actually, we need accountability partners. We need prayer partners. We need people in, maybe in, in, in the groups we go to that will pray for us and help us, that we can speak to and be honest with. Blessed are those who mourn for the condition of their heart. And then Jesus says this, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. You know the old thing, don't you? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, if no one else might. Um, because we have this sense that meek rhymes with weak, and that that's really what where meek is. Now I watched, um, I don't know why, but I was watching Catchphrase last night, and uh, there was one of the contestants, every time he got an answer right, he gave himself a round of applause. And he's not one of the meek. Okay. Uh, and in fact, I thought maybe I could do it this way. Every time I make a really good point, I'm just going to applaud myself. That's okay. Okay. Uh, maybe not. Yeah. Uh, but uh, meekness is not about being weak. It's about being measured. It's about not pushing yourself forward. It's about recognising that the world does not revolve around you. You are not the centre of all things. Uh, it's about saying... I have something to offer, but I haven't got everything to offer. It's not about pushing yourself down. It's about having an honest assessment of your abilities. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity said, Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. And that's what the meek need to do. We're, we don't believe the world revolves around us. We believe that we're part of God's world and that we have a part to play. So it's not about putting ourselves down all the time. As goodness knows, there's enough people who want to do that. Uh, it's not about us doing that. It's about us saying, look, this is what I can offer, but I can't pretend that I can do more than that. Genuinely knowing what you bring to every situation. Now, people that are like this, people that are poor in spirit, that recognise their need of God, that, that want to give an account of their life every day, who say, you know what, the world doesn't revolve around me, it revolves around other people. There's actually something attractive about this. There's something about people who, who you know, you, you kind of feel comfortable with them. You feel that there's an honesty to them. 
And you feel that you matter. And we'll see more of that in just a minute. Uh, number six, or verse six rather. Blessed are those who, are hun- who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. In the heart of God is this desire not only for us to be humble, not only for us to, uh, to come to him and to understand what he wants us to do and to put him at first, but to have his desire for, for righteousness in the world. Psalm 9, verses 7 and 8 said, The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the people with equity. Righteousness is one of God's defining features. It is his passion. He defines what is right and what is wrong. Now, we have this image sometimes of God being desperate to find people wrong. Desperate to to find out all the wrong things in our lives so he can punish us. That's not the God that we find in the Bible. The God in the Bible is the God of mercy. And so next thing we see is, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. It is mercy that is in the heart of God. It is a desire that we should be in a relationship with him. It's a desire that we should belong to him. It's a desire that we should come together. And so mercy and righteousness go hand in hand. It's not enough to say, you know, we want to do the right thing. We want to do the right thing in the right way with compassion. Blessed are the pure in heart, says verse 8, for they will see God. And in the end, what God wants for us is purity. Because we are not pure, because we have failed, because we are polluted, that's what separates us from God. Jesus came to end that. So his desire is that we live lives that are pure. But actually we're seeking day by day to understand more of what he wants for us and live that way. Verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. I've put determined and persevering up here for this. Actually, as the sun goes in, you can see that better, really. So I've never prayed for rain before the <coughs> service, but I might do it in a minute. Determined and persevering, that's what this really is all about. Now, we think of peacemakers, we think of those, those people from the UN with the blue helmets that go and stand in the middle of, of warring factions and sometimes do some good and sometimes don't. Undoubtedly, being a peacemaker is about that kind of thing. But in our everyday lives, it's about much more than that. It's about you being the person, wherever you are, who is the one that ends disputes. Now, you know, I've been in a lot of churches in my life, and I'm sure you are different from all the others. I'm sure nobody here ever has an argument about anything. Yeah, good. Um, but I know some people who thrive on that. They just love confrontation, even Christians. They just love it. I don't know why they love it, because personally I hate it. But that's what they seem to want to do. And we need to be the people who end this. We need to be the people who bring others back together. We need to be the people who end conflicts in our neighbourhood. I, I, I'm on sabbatical at the moment, and... Um, First of all, I went on a sabbatical. I was at church in uh, somewhere else in Hertfordshire, better not so where it was. Um, the week after I went on sabbatical at the, at the beginning of July, the wife of the organist and uh, the wife of one of the elders had a discussion. And the wife of the organist said, your husband keeps choosing songs that my husband can't play. 
and uh, it's quite wrong, it's deliberate, and it's brilliant. There was a huge row. So the elders of the church, in their wisdom, decided that it was such a big problem that it was going to have to wait till I got back four months later, uh, by which time they were, these people were not even capable of being in the same room at the same time. It took me months to sort out. In fact, on Good Friday the following year, I sat down with all the people in one room and said, nobody leaves until this is sorted. I don't know if the prospect of having to spend more time with me than was absolutely necessary before did it, but we got it sorted. But, but, you know, that's what we're here to do. We're here to end arguments, not to cause them. We're here to be peacemakers. Now, I want to say to you, these qualities, if you, if you set out, a, you know, I did a questionnaire and said, what do you think are the great qualities that you'd like your friends to show? They might not come up with this list. But actually, people who are humble, who have an interest in other people, who have compassion and who are merciful, who are interested in what's right and have a hunger for justice in people's lives. These are the kinds of people that other people want to be around. Now, we sometimes feel as Christians, everyone wants to avoid us. And they probably do if we're the sort of people that are obnoxious. Um, and I've met some Christians like that. I've probably been that one, actually, at times. But I'm quite certain I have. But I don't think that if you show these characteristics that anyone's going to um, want to run away from you. They might be nervous at times because they might actually find that you'll speak the truth to them and other people won't. But what you see revealed here is God's heart. It's God's heart for us. It's God's heart for the world. And if we're going to let light shine, which is uh, what uh, Jesus calls us to do here, then the way that we do that is through, is through who we are. Um, verse 10 yeah I, I kind of didn't just mention this determined and persevering blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven we're not going to be deflected by life's trials we're going to keep on going you know, a great example of this is William Wilberforce William Wilberforce in his life introduced his first anti-slavery bill in 1789 it, <clears throat> it was defeated he reintroduced it in 1791, 1792, 1793, 1797, 1798, 1799, 1804, and 1805. Finally, in 1807, it was passed. That's perseverance. That wasn't easy for him. It came at great personal cost. He had to endure personal attack, vilification, declining health, but he wouldn't let go in of his belief in the wickedness of the slave trade and God's desire to set people free. So we need to have some determination in this. We need to have a clear vision of the kingdom. I'm even speaking about the kingdom. But actually we are here as people that let light shine. That we're God's selfie in the world. Now, believe me, that's my longest point. So don't worry. If I say my second point is about God's presence. Uh, quite simply, we are salt and light. Have that next slide. In case you forgot what salt looks like, it's the white stuff in the top right. Now, I have heard about this being salt and light lots and lots of times, I, I, and, I've, and I've thought about it a great deal. But actually, what it is, you see, is about being God's presence. It's about letting all those characteristics that we've just spoken about, humility, justice, mercy, compassion, an understanding that we are not God, but that God has to rule in our lives. It's about bringing all of those things into what we do. 
Uh, being God's presence in the world is not about having to learn to do lots of stuff. It's about being who we are. So if we don't get that bit right, if we're not focused actually on our relationship with, with Jesus, then we can't get the rest right. So that's why actually our relationship with Jesus is not about him being in the background of this photograph. It's about him being right there with us. So that every day we're with him, every moment of every day, we're conscious of his presence with us. Of him leading us and guiding us and encouraging us. Because then we take his presence with us. I, I have, you know, lots of things that I've used over the years. I, I was just, as I was picking up my Bible today, I found a leaflet that, I'd, um, uh, that I've written for our church, which is called, uh, How Do We Share the Good News? I've got lots of these things. I've got a little cards in my Bible. Here's a little thing I do. Uh, you know, this is, I like to do this because, you know, it's hard, isn't it, to remember things. I, I find I remember most things, actually, these days. But uh, what's the gospel? Like, I can't remember the gospel. I've got five words that I use to sum up the gospel. All of these things are kind of fantastic. They're all useful. But in the end, it's about our presence. It's about God's presence in us, in the world. So being with people, and sharing all these characteristics of compassion, of mercy, of love, these are the things that actually count far, far more. So being salt and being light is about being where people are. The great thing about salt is, although you can see it up there, usually when you have it in your food, you can't see it, can you? You know, you don't, uh, you don't notice that it's there because it's a presence that goes through everything. Use it in, in food to preserve things, but most of all, you use it to bring out the taste. Now, I realise that if anyone here works for the British Heart Foundation, you're going to tell me you shouldn't have too much salt these days. Fair enough. But the point is that it brings out the flavour in things. One of the things, my, my other daughter is, uh, is a baker. Uh, I think she's been here actually, so you may have met her. Uh, she's a baker. Now, one of the things she's been mad for recently is salted caramel. Now, I didn't know that if you added salt to caramel, it made it better. I mean, why would you put something salty into something sweet? It doesn't seem to make sense to me, uh, which is maybe why Chinese came below Indian in my list, I don't know. But uh, why, why do you do that? It's a sweet and sour. But why, why do you do that? And the answer is because actually it brings out more flavour that way. And that's the point, really. That our presence in the world is to make the world tasty. Okay? That's what we're here for. Uh, I said to him there was an advert, there was a, 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 a Sainsbury's advert a few years ago about, about things being more tasty. Well, that's what we're here for. Usually, Baptist Church is here usually to make usually more tasty. I'm not sure that's a great slogan uh, to put on the front of the building, but that's actually what you're here for. Because, because you're the ones that bring truth into, into the world. You're the ones that bring God's truth to the people around you. People are living all the time in a kind of a fantasy world because they're not really in touch with the truth about life, about the truth about God. <coughs> our, our task is to help them to understand that, not, as I say, to be obnoxious. Um, I used to know a guy, a lovely guy, uh, who was a, a deacon at one of the churches I belonged to, and I thought to myself, he is the person in the world I would least like to be trapped in a lift with. Because, because it would be a non-stop kind of, you know, preach uh, for all the time. However long I was in that lift, it would seem ten times longer. Because he just wouldn't let go 
And that's not the way that we want to do things. We're not here to preach at people. We are here to be the sermon. There will come a time when you need to explain what it is that you believe. There will come a time when you need to explain how this light shines, uh, how this thought um, you know, works, how it is that Jesus is able to, to do what he has done, how he sets us free. There will come a time for that. But most of all, first of all, it's about being salt and light, letting God's light shine through you. And you see, if you do that, Rich, uh, then we can release, God releases his Holy Spirit through us. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit is quite capable of working without us. I don't know if you've heard about this, I don't know if, if, you know, if you've had this shared with you, but there's an amazing thing that's been happening um, in, the, in the Arab world um, over the past few years. There are a number of organisations that broadcast to the Arab world, because obviously you can't get in there, um, although um, various mission agencies are present there, secretly. But there are broadcasts that happen, and uh, there's a huge number of believers that are springing up. Um, the number of believers in Iran has, has, I think, ten times what it was 20 years ago, something like that. But again and again, people are reporting that they have a dream, and in the dream that they have, Jesus comes to them and explains who he is. And uh, some of them have never heard of Jesus, well, they've heard of Jesus because the, the Muslims regard him as a prophet, but they don't know who he really is. You see, the Holy Spirit is capable of doing these things, but most of the time, he will work through you, and he will work through me. So here's a little, um, this is a little quiz that I like to do, or a little, uh, not quiz, a little uh, conundrum I like to throw out to people, and uh, I've got to tell you, this has the same result everywhere I've been, okay? How many of you believe that Jesus is capable of doing the most amazing things by the power of his Holy Spirit, setting people free? Who believes that here? Okay, thank you very much. So that's most of us. Now, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up again, but... If I said to you, how many of you believe that God is capable of doing the most amazing and miraculous things through you? Then far, far fewer people put their hands up. Because we somehow have this idea that the Holy Spirit is capable of doing incredible things, but through someone else. And here's the truth. God is capable of doing amazing things through you and through me. That's why Jesus came. Because we're part of this work of bringing in the kingdom. We're part of this work of making life tasty. We're part of this work that he has. In a world that seems to me increasingly weird, but you know what? The first century was pretty weird as well. When the church began, it was full of the same kind of issues, the same kind of problems. Society was so much like our society today that it's just incredible. And you know what? The church did pretty well in the first century. So the truth is that sometimes we can feel that there's not many of us. We can feel that we're under attack. We can feel that we're overwhelmed. We can feel that society is moving against us. We can see uh, legislation being passed that, that kind of pushes back Christian values. All of these things. But we're in the same situation they were in when the church started. And the Holy Spirit is as capable of working through you today as he was capable of working through Paul and Peter. What we have to do is to remember to let light shine, to let God's heart be at the centre of our heart, to be God's presence in the world, to enable God's power 
to be released in us. Let's pray, shall we? But Jesus, we thank you for what you've done in our lives. We thank you that we all have a story to tell. Some may be quite ordinary, mine's just an ordinary story, really, of how you met me and, and showed me the truth about you. For some of us, miraculous stories of how you've set us free from all kinds of things. Thank you for what you've done in our lives, and we pray now that you will let uh, your light shine through us to the people around us. We get worried about what we're going to say to people, but let us be most concerned about our walk with you, about all those characteristics that you teach us in the Beatitudes, and about revealing your heart to the people around us. Let us be real, let us be truthful. And release your power to touch people's lives, we pray. Amen. Amen.